0: Business Matters, in association with the ATU Donegal Faculty of Business. If you have an undergrad in any discipline and would like to reinforce it with a Master's in Business, ATU are offering their Master's in Business Management Conversion Programme. Call 9186206 or email donald.hannigan
1: at atu.ie. I'm Kieran O'Donnell. You're welcome to Business Matters. Later in the programme, we'll be talking to the CEO of Hayden Radio and Letterkenny Chamber President, Faloola Rabbit, who hosted the Chamber President's annual lunch in the Radisson Hotel on Friday afternoon. My first guest this week is the leader of Sinn Féin, Mary Lou Macdonald, who delivered the keynote address at the Letterkenny Chamber Dinner. I spoke to Deputy Macdonald at the end of the two-hour event. I began by asking if Sinn Féin found itself leading up or being part of the next government following the next general election, What can businesses expect to be done better and done differently?
2: Well Karen, um just to say firstly that we are conscious that uh, for us the opportunity to be in government will be afforded to us by the people so everything that I'm going to say now I say in a spirit of ambition and humility not with any sense of entitlement or, or arrogance uh, but I believe we need a change of leadership in this country. I, I am very conscious of the fact that the northwest, that Donegal, that Letterkenny has been left behind uh, and I am very clear that there has to be an ambitious, not just plan, but pace of delivery for Letterkenny, for Donegal and for the wider Northwest west um, region. So w- what to expect if we are given the opportunity of being in government? Firstly, ambition secondly, pace, thirdly, collaboration, and fourthly, and very, very importantly, a, a sense of direction. I, I'm very conscious that for society more broadly, but particularly for people in business, and that's whether you're a, a very large mul- multinational or if you're a micro-business or a, a, an SME, somewhere in between, for businesses to thrive and first, there has to be a sense of the direction of travel. So I've said today um, that in terms of business taxes, we will maintain a stable environment. We do have to have a conversation about employers, PRSI. We've signaled that uh, a long time ago. But business can expect, in that respect, a stable environment where they will see great difference will be the pace Um, And the delivery in terms of infrastructure, in terms of investment in services. And certainly we will champion an agenda that puts the workforce, workers, employees front and centre and enhances employees rights. But that's good for business. And I, I was listening very carefully to people at today's event and for employers here in this region. They're very clear that. Attracting talent, keeping talent—that their workforces are their primary asset. So I think we share a common ground even on that matter too.
1: Mary Lou, you stressed the importance of planning and the modifications during your speech this afternoon.
2: Mm-hmm. For sure. Um, so I referenced a number of things. I referenced, for example, the Riverine Project, twelve million uh, euros of European funding, but delayed because of. Uh, ongoing uncertainty in in the planning uh, system i mean w- when you hear stories of businesses waiting for four years five years for a decision i mean that that's not tolerable you, nobody n- no enterprise uh, no household could operate on uh, with that level of uncertainty so we're very clear that what we want is um, certainty in terms of timeframes for people. In any planning process, you can never give certainty of outcome. You have to go through the process and that's right and proper. But we have to have statutory limits in terms of timeline so that if you're looking for planning permission, you know that when you enter the process that you will have a timeline and that timeline will be respected. I'm very conscious that uh, regions across this island have lost investment because things got so snarled up and so lost in what seemed like an endless and very, very uncertain planning system. So of course to provide those kind of timelines and that kind of certainty, we are going to have to invest in our planning capacity, in our local authorities and of course on board Planola as I think we all know and it now has been recognised, needs a complete overhaul and much greater resourcing.
1: Mary Lou, you referenced uh, a number of reports in relation to the North West region. One of the stats that stood out was that the North West region is 219th out of 234 regions and the North West region was also described as a region uh, trapped in development. Mm -hmm. What needs to happen for that
2: to change? Well, what needs to happen is that we need to move beyond lip service and promises, and we need to get into the space of delivery. I mean, I have listened to business leaders here and community leaders here today um, from the new university, um, from uh, industry, big industry and small industry and enterprises here in this part of the world. I've listened to the collaborators a- across the border in Derry, and I know there's a relationship with Straman. It's not that the ideas aren't here. They are in 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 huge uh, in huge volume the issue here is prioritization and delivery and listen i'm speaking as a dubliner I come from Dublin. I live on the eastern seaboard, which uh, faces its own uh, challenges. But I recognise with my own eyes that when I come to this part of the world, that the lack of infrastructure, the extent to which people, this region has been left behind, is self-evident. We all know it. It's been acknowledged time and again. So the question for the political system and for the political bureaucracy is, really, what are we going to do about it? Get the finger out Prioritise this region, recognise the plans that are there, get behind them and work with the people, work with the stakeholders here. And that's what I'm determined to do. I do recognise that in our public administration, there is an issue around pace and efficiency. We have tremendous people in the public administration, in the public and the civil service, the talent is enormous, but the systems themselves need to be rebooted because we need to put the pedal to the floor now and we need to get the work done and I think that's the big challenge here. In relation
1: to the institutions getting up and running again, and you did ex- express confidence that that would happen sooner rather than later Mary Lou, you also uh, stressed the fact that Sinn Féin would opt for the economy portfolio. That's why you, right. Why are you keen to get your hands on that portfolio? Because
2: we're we're conscious that in the the last term of the assembly the economy brief really uh, fell behind. I mean there was a, a a persistent almost obsessing with borders in the Irish Sea and with the protocol and and so on. And it look The DUP and political unionism had issues that they wanted to sort out with the British government. That's their business. I mean, that's fine, so long as it doesn't interfere with the Good Friday Agreement. But the truth is that there was a cost to all of that, not just in the institutions coming down, but in key briefs, particularly the economy brief, losing its way and losing opportunities currently. There is access to the British market, access to the European market uh, for, for, uh, uh, for goods. We have uh, President Biden coming to the island and, and appointing Joe Kennedy as a, an envoy to the North. The opportunities are huge, and every day that the Assembly and the Executive isn't meeting is an opportunity lost to all of us. So I I said, I'm not sure, Karen, if it was so much with confidence, but with absolute determination that this situation can't continue on. We want everything back up and running again to work for everybody to work hard for everybody and then the economy brief for us is central for economic delivery for driving prosperity and not just for the six counties but that feeds into this whole regional picture for all of the north and all of the the northwest and finally Mary Lou what is your main takeaway from today's event my main takeaway actually notwithstanding all of the huge challenges is huge optimism I mean, I I walked into that room and I heard ideas. I heard frustration as well, and I I, I get that. But but the ideas are here. The energy is here. The ambition is here. And now, central government needs to match that.
1: Shane Fein Leader, Mary Lou MacDonald, thanks for taking the time to talk to us on Business Matters. My pleasure. Join us after the break when we'll be catching up with the CEO at Highland Radio, Fanula Rabbit business matters in association
0: with the atu donegal faculty of business are you a graduate of a non-business discipline and would like to pursue a level nine in business atu donegal are currently offering their masters in business management conversion program take the next step in your career and contact the exec ed coordinator on 9186206 or email donald.hannigan at atu.ie today
1: I am delighted to be joined on Business Matters by Fanola Rabbit, CEO of Highland Radio and President of Little Chamber of Commerce. Fanula, you are very welcome to Business Matters.
3: Thank you very much. I've always enjoyed listening to you, so I'm delighted to be finally on your podcast.
1: Fanula, you hosted the Little Chamber President's Lunch in the Radisson Hotel on Friday afternoon. Extremely well attended.
3: Happy with how things went? Oh, it couldn't have gone better. I mean, a big thank you to the staff of the Chamber, Tony and Anne-Louise and Marie. It just went really, really well. We haven't managed to have the lunch for the last couple of years, what with everything else that was going on. So this is the first one back. And we had almost 150 people at it. And it just goes to show you that there's an appetite for this kind of thing in Letterkenny, where business people want to get together, network and Listen to a really good speaker and I think that's what we were fortunate as well we had a fantastic guest that uh, people were really interested in finding out more information about and where she stood
1: Yeah, you mentioned Sinn Féin, leader Mary Lou Macdonald delivered the keynote address uh, she did say that uh, the North West is well behind in terms of development and economic prosperity compared to other regions in Ireland and Europe is that a view you would agree with, Vanilla?
3: Sadly, it is. Everywhere that we go now, we're hearing this. In Europe, we're considered, I think in one conversation that I had, that we're like uh, 200 and something out of 234 um, uh, as a lead, a region lagging behind. Um, anybody who attended the IBEC regional uh, event that they had where they went around giving out information about each of the regions, you kind of left it very hard to pick your jaw up off the ground that, um, as they call it, the Con-Ulster region had reacted so badly. And I mean, and that's when they call it Con-Ulster, that means they're actually including Galway into it, which raises us in a lot of areas, you know, as a region. So we've definitely got a lot of legacy issues that need to be addressed. And I think that's one of the things that we in the chamber are trying to constantly reiterate with our local representatives and our national representatives. There are legacy issues here. We are a fantastic region. There's some fantastic businesses here. We're so fortunate to have some wonderful um, uh, multinationals and international uh, uh, companies that have come here and that are employing, you know, scores and scores of people, which is brilliant. But the legacy issues are causing problems. And There's no point in saying you can't do this and you can't do that because of new government policies. What they need to do, and as we've said, what Mary Lou said, and, you know, has been constantly repeated by our politicians, is we need to be brought up on par with the other regions and then tell us what we can and cannot have after that, you know, based on whatever the policy is at the time.
1: In your own list, Finola, you mentioned that a Kennedy Chamber has something like 300 members and employs around 8,000 uh, workers. Mm-hmm. That leaves the Chamber in a very important position in terms of economic development and prosperity.
3: Yeah, well, we take that position very seriously. So we have over 300 members now. We're really concentrating on our membership in recent times because there's strength in numbers. The 300 businesses that we have equates to, as you say, over 8000 employees. That's a lot of people's lives, because I think that's the thing that we also take into account when we're talking to public representatives or when we're doing any of our lobbying. It's not just about, we'll say, Fenula Rabbit is the manager of Highland. It's not just about Fenula Rabbit. It's about the 50 people that work here full-time. It's about the other 20 or 30 people that come up and do other businesses. It's also about the 50 or 60 businesses that we engage with on a monthly basis for our, the services that we need in order to keep going. And this is, you know, as I said, it's kind of like a big spider web. And if our employees, um, you know, can't have good... You know, decent lives and lifestyles up here in Donegal, then they're not going to want to stay. And then they're not going to be able to, you know, everybody wants to have a good life. They want to be able to rear their children. They want to be able to make enough money in order to pay their bills and not to be struggling. And that's what the majority of probably all business owners would like to see as well. You know what I mean? Like a happy staff is a happy business and it all, you know, comes and rises uh, everything together so we take it very seriously that we do represent employees as well as the actual employers it's not just the business owners it's also the their staff and everybody in the region, and we want to see the whole region just continue to be the wonderful place that it is, but it does need a lot of investment and it does need um, a lot of attention nationally in order to make sure that we get there.
1: You mentioned the role of public representatives and you did stress that a number of occasions on Friday afternoon during your uh, address. What areas can politicians influence most?
3: Well, when we talk to our members... It's infrastructure is the big thing. And infrastructure is includes so much. I mean, it's a bit of a wide word. But first of all, you have the transport and the roads. Like, this is a major issue that we have here. It's our only form of movement around the county, really. You know, we, there is some, I know, some bus routes and things like that, but it's not a full coverage service. The the routes, the people doing them are doing their best, but it's not a full coverage service for everybody. So roads are just one of the facts of life here. And for us to be told that, no, there's no money going into roads or things like that, again, this is not addressing the fact that there's legacy issues. So at the moment now, there's some work being done by the council, which are really behind it, with this 10T, which is a huge project. Uh, It's a European-funded project that's going to be coming, please God, in the next couple of years. Um, It's currently with government and with you know it takes so long in the processes in order to get uh, this surveyor and that surveyor and all the plans and all that so it's in that it's in the business stage as they call it so it's going through the government at the moment and hopefully we'll know by the end of the year that that has been passed through and that will be able to take a big leap forward which will really improve the accessibility through Letterkenny and the traffic in Letterkenny and allow people to to use it more in the knowledge that they're not going to get caught in a glut and avail of the fact that letterkenny is you know like a hub town really for the whole of the northwest and into uh, into derry and that so that's one of the things we're also putting in some stuff we have a memorandum of agreement with the uh, derry city chamber of commerce and that allows us to work with them on the A2 N2 road so we get involved in the submissions that they make for that and that'll move that forward onto the next stage we've also done things with the strategic rail Rail is something that we definitely need to be looking at, but it is a long term plan. It's not the short term solution to the problems here, but it is something that we need to start thinking about seriously, is it actually viable? And if it's not, what is the alternative to it? So we're, we've made submissions to the strategic rail plan. We've also um, have members in both the Donegal Airport and the Derry City Airport. And it just means that we can give them our support when they're making submissions with regard to the Dublin Donegal route with Donegal Airport and we are hoping that in the future there may be a Derry Dublin route as well and then that will keep the whole county uh, well serviced for its needs in and out of that at least.
1: Just listening to you outlining the needs of the North West, a lot of work has to be done in trains, planes and automobiles.
3: Uh, This is it. Look, at, and that's really where the major legacy issues are here. It is, it has to do with transport. You know, uh, like uh, coming from Galway originally, I couldn't believe when I came up here uh, at first that it's sort of one road in, one road out you know, and you have to go this way to get that way. There's no way, you know, of anybody jumping on a train. I go to meetings now in Dublin and all across the country. And everywhere I go to a meeting takes me three to four hours. And that's a huge amount of your time in your day. If you're trying to do go to one meeting that you have to go to, suddenly you have to take the whole day off because it's Three hours up, an hour at the meeting, and then there's another three hours back down again for it. So this is something that we need to find ways in which people can work easier. You know, you see places like Galway, you see Sligo. They have those resources, you know, and that's so we need to start getting ourselves on par with those regions. And then, as I said, then say to us, well, okay, now you've got that now. And now we need to start looking at something else.
1: You mentioned the link with Derry Chamber. Flora, how important is it that that relationship continues?
3: I think it's very important because, again, we see ourselves and this is really the northwest region. I mean, obviously Donegal is its own county and it is a, a fantastic place to work. And there is, you know, separate jurisdictions between the two. But the interlinks between Donegal and the Derry area is just um, like they 're huge like with all of the people that cross back and forth, I mean some of the figures that you hear about the thousands of people that cross back and forth every day for work the um the amount of people that shop that live you know go to school, everything the crossing back and forth is is really makes that border not really a, a, a real thing in life, if you know what I mean. I don't want to take away, I know there's, uh, people have strong feelings about it, but in the general day-to-day lives of people, it's not really something that they think about. There's a difference between one side, or, you know, one side or the other or that you're moving from one jurisdiction to the other. So us being able to work so closely with them means that we can, one, talk about how we can raise the region together, we're looking at like northwest city plan is a uh, is a huge thing that we're trying to engage it, which is comes from the all Our, the island of ireland funds so this is really important that we are able to engage with people that are handing out that money i mean recently the uh, derry has been given 210 million pounds sterling in as part of that city development plan now we need to make sure that donegal is engaging in an, in can get some sort of an equal package to that so that we don't get squeezed out between Sligo and Derry. That's really important that we are able to grow and stand our ground between the two big, because, you know, Sligo's trying to become a city as well, and then Derry is obviously already a city, so we need to make sure that we don't get squeezed out between them. So we also have a memorandum of understanding with Sligo. So we're trying to work together as, you know, Donegal first, then the Northwest, and then spreading the Northwest region to include Sligo, Galway, all the kind of uh, western side. And I just think it's very, it's of huge importance because it's what's going to make sure that this region gets whatever funding we can get and that working together, we can ensure that people know that the west of Ireland can provide everything that you need. You you know, don't stop at the eastern seaboard. Keep coming across. We can provide everything you need and more. We've got the ATU now, which stretches down from Galway, to Donegal and more of that kind of collaboration is really what we need to see going forward.
1: You mentioned the ATU and they were represented yesterday in the form of Orda Thun. How important is it that the Chamber connects with uh, organisations like Donegal ATU?
3: Well we try and connect with all of the stakeholders here but the fact that the, uh, the LYIT as it was called has now become a university has huge potential for Letterkenny and for the region, like the amount, at the moment, the ATU has something like 25,000 students in their whole campus. It's one of the largest campuses in Europe because there's so many different spaces across, you know, the geographical spread of it. But it also is going to open up so many opportunities. I mean... Yesterday, and I don't want to be preempted by saying it on air, but she mentioned, Orla mentioned, two or three courses that they're applying for to try and get, which could be game changers for this area. Like they're really serious. Some of them in medical, some of them in uh, sciences, and they could really make a difference to the amount of young people that can come here, and to the young people from Donegal and the Northwest region that will no longer have to go away to go to college. They'll have that opportunity to grow up here, go to secondary school here, go to college here, get really good education. And then what we'd like to see as the Chamber and what we, is that that education then can translate into well, secure, high-paying jobs that will mean that they stay here, raise their families here and get to experience and continue to have the great lifestyle that people have living in Donegal. Why would anybody want to leave here? It would be crazy. The one
1: thing that struck me about the lunch in the Radisson floor was the cross-section of businesses.
3: Mm. Well, we do try and do that in the chamber, and we're very lucky. You know, we have a lot of uh, long-time, well-established uh, businesses that are here in Letterkenny, and there's. But they come from all kind of different areas. So we have retailers, we have um, some uh, sole traders, we have some people that are services providers. We also have um, a lot of the multinationals. We have the banks. So. That's what I like about it is when you do go to any of the Chamber of Commerce events, you don't know who you're going to end up talking to or what kind of business that they might be in. And I always end up speaking to somebody that I know nothing about that particular field and suddenly you're like, oh my God, is that true? And you just find out lots of different things. And it's a really uh, fantastic way to network with businesses in the area. And we're not just for Letterkenny. Letterkenny is obviously the centre and the hub um in this Area And we represent that 100 percent. But we are also open to the larger county if people want to become involved and want to come and talk to us and find out what we can do and how we can help you in your business. We may not be doing kind of the little things that we would be doing here in Donegal, in Letterkenny, sorry, but we do a lot of lobbying work. We do a lot of, as I said, cross-border and we have a lot of contacts with uh, government agencies because we're part of Chambers Ireland and we're the only chambers in Donegal that's part of Chambers Ireland. It really gives us a great standing. You know, like a couple of weeks ago, we went up to the Dáil and we met our representatives there. We've had in the last few years, we've had Leo Vradkar, Meon Martin. Now we've had you know, possibly the next future leader, Mary Lou MacDonald. And we have the ability because of the strength in our numbers to bring these people to the table to sit down and have a conversation with us. And that's what it's all about. It's about getting out there, talking to people and saying, this is what we want to do. This is why we want to do it. How can we help you achieve that goal? Most of these people are trying to work away, you know, or know what... The county needs and we just want to know what can we do in order to assist them in order to get stuff over the line be it the council be it our local politicians the um national organizations you know which we have here enterprise ireland the leos that kind of thing we just want to be there to give them that extra support so that they can then pass that support on to our members and as i said you know rise and tide all boats that's what it's about
1: In relation to the lobbying that the Chamber carries out, is it a matter of waiting and seeing how effective that will be?
3: Well, I think sometimes that can be the case because one of the things, again, that came up uh, at the luncheon yesterday through the talking was, you know, wheels of government move quite slowly and it can take a long time. You know, when you think about something like, you can't talk to anybody about the A2 Uh, sorry, the A5N2 road. And that has been going on, I think, since before I came up here, and I'm nearly 10 years here, since they first started having conversations about it. So it's not just here, it's everywhere. It takes a long time for stuff to go through. What we feel with it is, is that we need to be making sure that it's constantly in the public eye, that nothing gets sort of put on the back burner, that promises made are... Achieved. If it does take five years, you know, depressing and all as that is, at least it's being achieved. And in fairness, in Letterkenny, there's been a lot of work since I came up here. And it's amazing to me now when I'm finally going to meetings that they're all starting to come together. You know, there's a lot of money coming in from the council now that they're going to be doing bits and pieces. We're finally hoping before the end of the year that we're going to break ground on, um If you remember kind of pre-COVID, the Chamber was involved with the Council in the Market Square and what the new Market Square is going to look like. We're finally getting close to that actually breaking ground. And I think you'll find in the next three to five years, if everything comes to fruition, that Letterkenny in particular and Donegal as a county uh, will nearly be something completely different to what it is now and really be uh, giving the people that live here and the visitors that come an even better experience.
1: Before we move on from Friday's lunch, what was the most positive thing that you took away from yesterday's event?
3: I think the positive thing that I take away is the positivity that people have for the region. I think we all feel very strongly that this is a region that has the potential for huge growth and it has the potential to really outshine itself. And the only thing that it needs is that little bit of help and support. And if we can get that help and investment from the government to, as I say, we're not asking for anything that isn't anywhere else. What we're asking is look at the legacy issues that we have here and just bring us up to date with everybody else and then leave it to us. We're. This has got, like, there's a vibrant business community here. There is, you know, uh, so many people working so hard in, as I said, the councils, Enterprise Ireland, the IDA, the Leos. There's so many people working so hard in um, so many organisations that realise the potential that this region has. And we just need enough help just to get us on par with everywhere else and then sit back and watch where we end up. Because I think it'd just be stratospheric.
1: Flora, it's ten years since you came to Liverkin first. Can you talk to me a wee bit about your life and times up until that point?
3: Oh well, I can, but I don't know if it's that interesting. <laughs> I uh well, I'm from Galway originally and I we've always been a family that's been involved in radio my dad is, was involved in radio right back as one of the the very first li- when the first licenses came out in the late 80s and there was talk about it my dad has always been very passionate about radio lo- just always on in the house loved it and when the first licenses came out he was like the first man at the door going all right who who do we get together in order to get a license for Galway and he was involved in it from right the way through the start and most people know a lot of the radio stations had a lot of problems in the beginning Because nobody knew what they were or what they were supposed to be because it was such a new concept for us here in Ireland when we just had, you know, the the national services and the national broadcaster. So he worked a long time with it. And then, as I said, when he stepped away from Goy Bay FM, the opportunity came up for him to uh, purchase Highland Radio, and he, I remember him coming in and telling us that he had purchased the finest radio station in Ireland and that someday my children's children would never have to work. Now, <laughs> it has not quite worked out like that. My children's children, I think, will be working, but he was right about the fact that it is the finest radio station in Ireland. And then, as I said, different things happened over the course of the few years. And I was always working in radio in Galway. I worked in Galway BFM for quite a long time. I used to do what Caroline here does. I did production. I used to do uh, Linda's job doing traffic. I had lots of different jobs done in Galway over the years um, when I went back to college to get my degree. So that's really was the whole story. Then when I was finished my degree and working away there then, I said, oh, sure, I'll come up and give Donegal a try and see whether or not I like it. And I contacted my boss, then was Keith Finnegan from Galway Bay FM. And I said, I'm going to take a three month leave of absence and I'm going to go to Donegal. And uh, it's been about nine and a half years now. And I must really send him a letter of resignation because I don't think I actually have. What was the one thing that you liked most about Donegal? Oh, what is the one thing I like most about? I think it's the people. You know, when I came up here first, and even we used to just kind of come up and down for meetings and that kind of thing, I hadn't had a lot of experience with Donegal. We weren't, coming from Galway, if we kind of were going on holidays to the beach or something like that, we would go out to Connemara, and Connemara was kind of where you go. And then since coming up to Donegal, I'm just always amazed at... Uh, the people, the warmth and the kindness of the people that I meet, the um, you know the real kind of friendliness and openness that 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 I experience everywhere that I go, and um, and it's particularly then when they you know when they realise that you're involved in Highland, and um, I've been abroad. And I've met people abroad that have been from Donegal. And as soon as I mentioned Highland, they're, oh, my God, I get like a 15, 20 minute conversation about it and about the different presenters here and what it meant to them over the years in their lives. So I think it's really that has been a wonderful experience. And I've been blown away by the landscape. I mean, as I I said, even in my speech, it's kind of blasphemy for a Galwegian not to think that Connemara is the most beautiful place in Ireland. But, oh, my God, Donegal it take the eye out of your head as they say down home it's t- every time you turn a bend it's more beautiful than the last I f- have you a favourite location I, I to be honest I don't know I do, I, went, I, I do like going out to Iron I've been out to Iron more a couple of times and that is fun and nice and we did the big steps down to the water and the water out there is beautiful and um, is absolutely stunning And then I have to say, I never have a family visitor that comes that I don't show them Malin. Because I just think, considering that there's really nothing there, but you just, it's like, just kind of takes your breath away when you go there. I mean, it's such like a ruin of a building, you know what I mean? And as you're coming up to it, like when you're going up to the... to Head, and yet there's just something that you think oh my god this has been here forever that you know the information about during the war what it meant for the weather what it meant I, I just find that and you're you know you're standing there at the tip looking out at the ocean and there's Nothing, nothing in front of you except possibly Iceland if you swam far enough and long enough. It's just so beautiful. It, it, I just find it amazing. And every time I have family or visitors that come over and we do trips and tours around, they always end up with the same thing. It's just so stunned. And they're like, how do we not know? And now they all come up. So sorry about that. If you're bumping into rabbits all over the place, that would be my fault. <laughs> Tell me, Falunna,
1: what has been the biggest challenge since you took on the role of CEO here at Held?
3: well I don't think there's been any challenges that other businesses haven't faced you know uh, Highland, like everybody else, kind of had the experience of 2008, 2009. Then just as soon as we were sort of, you know, coming out of that into a nice, comfortable place, all of a sudden Brexit happens and you're like, oh, Lord. Then you're starting to come around from Brexit again and sort of feeling, oh, no, this is it now. We're on the upward turn. Suddenly COVID arrived and you're just kind of, you know, I reached a point there for a while. There was just like, I, I, you just can't catch a break. We just can't catch a break. But... I think that's really, really been the only challenges that it's been here, you know, um, and everybody has, has had to go through them and had to experience it. But then along with that comes positive things. You know, COVID was a terrible time, but, uh, you know, and for staff and for everybody and not being able to work, we had to go down to a very core team because we're an essential service here. We tried to do stuff that we hadn't done before. So then in a lot of ways, it kind of broadened the way that we did things. So you have to kind of take the positives, even from the challenges. I'm kind of one of those people where I don't really like to do things unless it's kind of hard. I don't really see the point. So unless you're kind of scared uh, about doing something, And it is a little bit difficult. I'm like, well, if I could go home and do my knitting and watch TV, which I equally love. But I'm like, I when it comes to work and that, I like to be challenged. And I think that's what I take from when you do hit a difficulty. Like I said, with something like COVID, you know, we had a very tough time here. But it also gave the team a chance to really bed in together even more than they were. It gave us the time to sort of make see, are we all on the same page for this company? Do we all, where do we see this company in five years time? You know, when you have to kind of look at what your product is, how are we making money? Is there other ways that we can bring income into this company? What, you know, what do we want this company to look like in five years time? And it meant that we could kind of sit back and say, yeah, stuff that you kind of knew and we were all half talking about, but weren't able to take the time to really say, well, how do we actually get there? We want, like, you know, we are the largest media company in the Northwest, probably, definitely Donegal and probably in the Northwest in total. And, you know, we have a market share that's just uh, phenomenal. It's the envy of every radio station across the country. Everywhere I go in radio circles, they're all, how do you do it? How do you do it? And I think that what we want to make sure with this company is is that in 50 years time, when I am long, long, long gone, not just from Highland, but probably from this earth, that this station is still here getting the kind of figures that it gets now because the people of Donegal still look at Highland as being the voice of Donegal. Look to Highland for its truth when it comes to its news, looks to Highland for you know the facts, looks for it for the support, looks to Highland for being um, just part of their lives. And we want that to continue and we need, obviously for everybody changes have to be made in order to keep a business going forever and ever and that's what we'd like to see here. So,
1: What's the key to the success of Highland? Oh, God, I don't know.
3: <laughs> Everyone asks me that and I don't know because it's definitely not me. It is, I think, again, it's the people. I think it's the people that work in the station, the people that come in here, the staff that come in here, be them coming in for one show a week for two hours or coming in here every single day working nine to five is uh, their passion and their love. Uh, and not just the fact that they are a passion and they love radio. It's really the passion and the love that they have for this area and for the region you know people that come in here and do a two hour show are not getting paid but I know are doing three hours at home putting together what's you know what song you're going to play what's the next one thinking about what their listeners would like thinking about you know what's going on in the world that they can include into how they can make their shows more entertaining and I think that's that's what makes the our listeners stick with us you know we have uh As I said, the highest market share, we've... uh 68,000 listeners every single day. Out of that 68,000, almost 40,000 of them don't listen to any other radio station. They switch on Highland Radio at 7 o'clock in the morning and they switch off Highland Radio at whatever time they go to bed at night. And that's all they do. Highland Radio is their companion. It's in the background. They mightn't be able to tell you every word said or everything because it's just on behind there. But it's a deep part of their lives. And I think that's something that we... As the staff here in the station, it, take very seriously, and we take that responsibility very seriously.
1: You mentioned your father earlier, Finola. Would he be your go-to uh, if you're looking for a mentor?
3: I don't know. He might hear this, and I don't want to give him too much kudos. <laughs> Anybody who's met him will know why. Uh, I suppose. I yeah. I'm. I'm. My dad is one of these people who was. Uh, you know, born in Athenry, which is uh, m- most people will know. It's like it's kind of born outside Athenry. It's a small town in Athenry. Um, wouldn't have had a lot of education in the fifties. To you know, had lots of different kind. Of, it used to be driver. Used to be this. Uh, you know, had lots of different kind of manual uh, jobs that he did. Uh, went to America, became a started up a painting company. Came home to Ireland. Then they need a pub. And then he had an oil distributor company, then he had a waste collection company, then he had he's one of these guys that is really, I'd say, if he was born in the middle of a field with nothing else in it, he'd start his own business. He's that kind of a person. He's very entrepreneurial. And I think in that way, he would be a bit of a mentor to me because I just really admire his drive. And he's very much like I said, I'm a type of person, unless you're a little bit scared of it don't, you know, why are you doing it? You need, you need to be a little bit scared or something. You need to be taking those little, like with safe risks, if you know what I mean. You need to be taking those things that kind of make the heart thump a little bit faster and go, oh, I don't know if this is a good idea or not. He very much jumps into things. I think he's, dad is one of those people that uh, everything is always uh, best day ever. That's my dad's biggest saying. You know, he'd be out with friends or he'd be um, at a meeting. He's very involved in the local GA club. He's very involved in different businesses still, even though he's retired. And every time he comes back and talks about it, he's like, oh, best thing ever. Best meeting ever. Best party ever. Best everything ever. And uh, I I I think that's a a great way to live your life. And I'd like to emulate that at the moment.
1: What is the biggest change that you have noticed in the world of radio over the
3: years? Well, world, all right. Well, uh, I suppose digital is a huge thing for us and that is something that we've had to really kind of knuckle down and it's given us a whole new learning. The idea of, you know, I remember being to meetings five years ago and people were talking about you have to have cameras in your studio. I was like, I beg your pardon, I don't work in television. We work in radio. It's not... The the whole thing about radio is that it's a, a, you know, it's a treat for the mind, as in you can imagine stuff and television is just so, is, is like, so there, um, But now that's just something that we have to embrace. You know, we've had to make so many changes here to our studios, to to the way that we do things. No more can you kind of come in with, you know, the torn T-shirt that you just, you know, you've been under the car and you're suddenly in. Now you have suddenly the lads have to come in all spick and span because they know there's going to be people looking at them. Uh, And embracing that social media change and sort of reaching out to the listener. There was a time here in Ireland in particular, and because there's such a big fondness for radio here, that the radio stations didn't really have to do a lot of work. People just came to them because there was a love and a fondness. And if you wanted to know what was going on in Donegal, where else are you going to go but come to the likes of Highland, And it's the same across the country. But I think people, there's so many options out there now for people for where they're getting their information, for where they're getting their entertainment. And we really need to be going out to them rather than just waiting for them to come to us. And that's a huge mindset change for a business that's been operating for, you know, 30 years, 20, 25 of which has been, usher, don't worry, they'll tune in. Now we have to say, come on, this is why you should tune in. We have to start marketing ourselves. We have to start being out there, our own visual presence more and more. But again, it's not unlike a lot of uh, businesses. You know, you you, you can't just ignore online the way we were all kind of thinking, all I mean, I remember thinking, Google, that'll never last. And here we are <laughs> 20 years later and it's, you know, a vital cog in our lives. I think that's it. It's been that kind of development and change has been a huge uh, uh, mindset change that radios had to do. And I think the other thing for me personally with radio is is that we need to make sure that we're protecting our local radio stations. If you see what's happened even just over the border, Local radio is really under threat because of um, economic conditions. You know, people are under the assumption that we're a public service body and we do a lot of public service work. But we do not receive public service funding. We're a business and we have to make money at the business. But, you know, staff costs have gone up and staffing is the massive part of radio because that's what's important is the pe- it's people. Um, staff costs have gone up, the just cost of running the business has gone up, that kind of thing as well. You see more and more stations being um, approached or even bought out by uh, larger conglomerates, which are sometimes not even originally Irish-based. And I just would be concerned that we would reach a situation where the likes of uh, Highland Radio, Midwest, Ocean, you know, places where people can go and find out who who did won the under 12s final who did what is going on you know what i mean people like with such thing like the mica crisis that kind of thing where people can go and say how do i get help with this how do i get the you know it, i'd hate to see the, as a nation us giving that up because i think if it's once it's gone that's when we'll sit back and go oh, we were foolish to let that happen
1: and finally from what does the future hold for yourself And your business?
3: Uh, uh, Growth, I hope. Growth from strength to strength. Like our idea now is, as I said, we are probably the strongest media uh, in this uh, region. And our ambition is that we become even stronger. We want to become uh, and become like a multimedia platform. So we want people to be coming to us for absolutely everything. That when you think media, when you think advertising, that you think Highland Radio. And that, you know, for me, nothing should be happening in this county without um, Highland being involved in some way. Either that we're letting people know that it's going on or that we're there doing outside broadcasts and that we're there um, continuing to, you know, give uh, the wonderful service that I like to think we're giving anyways. I hope the other people listening agree the wonderful service that we're giving uh, to the people of Donegal and, and, you know, and beyond because we do have listeners from all over the place. Like the diaspora listenership is unbelievable, you know. And, And again, it's when something happens and people are worried. The amount of calls that we got uh, from people, uh, you know, during COVID who were ringing from all over the world that weren't able to come home, they wanted to do things. The amount of calls during, you know, such a thing like the tragedy in Chrysler, all the calls that were coming through here, the amount of people that were watching and listening from all over the world wanting to, you know, get the information about the, you know, Donegal is a small county as we all are, we all, and wanting to get the information and the correct information and knowing they can trust what's coming out here and that, they can find out what they need to know and we're here for them. So that's really what I hope to see. We just continue to grow and strengthen strength over the coming years and continue to be able to say we are the voice of Donegal and continue to have our pride in that. Vanilla Rabbit, CEO of
1: Highland Radio and President of the Ricanhaid Chamber of Commerce. Thanks for taking the time to talk to us on Business Matters. Thank you, Kim. Well, that's our lot for this edition of Business Matters. Thanks to my guests, Mary Lou MacDonald and Faluuya Rabbit. Thanks to Kenneth Wilson on Sound. And thanks to you for listening. If you'd like to get in touch with the programme, drop an email to businessmatters at highlandradio.com. Business Matters, in association with the ATU
0: Donegal Faculty of Business. If you have an undergrad in any discipline and would like to reinforce it with a Master's in Business, ATU are offering their Master's in Business Management Conversion Programme. Call 9186206 or email donald.hannigan at atu.ie.